Welcome to Please Print This. This is episode four. This is Christina Honkinen, producer. And I'm Matt Honkinen, producer and audio engineer. If our last episode could be considered a download or 101 on what sustainable forestry practices look like, then today's episode is really all about what our world might look like and what could happen if we threw all of that out the window. Quick disclaimer, we recorded the following interview using Google Meet, so please excuse any internet pops or glitches. My name is Robert Ramsey. I'm proud to be a Georgian, multi-generational Georgian. Currently, I serve as president of the Partnership for Conservation. It's a nonprofit organization that's focused on private conservation across the United States. I've worked, most of my adult life has been in the, working in the world of conservation. Previously, worked for an organization called the Georgia Conservancy, where I served as its president for a number of years. Prior to that, I spent some time working at the Nature Conservancy. Prior to that, I was the head of an organization called the American Fly Fishing Trade Association. So really, in each and all of those stops, conservation was really a critical part of what motivates me. You know, for, you know, for people, really for all Americans, but particularly for people who don't have a connection to a working landscape, a farm or a forest, or, or even an undeveloped piece of land in its uh, natural state, it's really easy for someone to say, cutting a tree down is a very bad thing. And if not taken in context, it could be very well true. But the truth of the matter is, is that with sort of modern forestry practices in our country. We plant far more trees each year than we cut. And let's not forget that these trees are, in essence, a renewable resource, a renewable crop. It's just a crop that happens to have a longer growth cycle than, say, corn. Corn also sequesters carbon. But we don't, you know, we don't seem to have a problem with cutting corn stalks down because we like to eat corn, too. So it's really easy to say when you cut a tree down, it's a bad thing. What's harder to do is explain to people why well-managed forests and forestry practices are so important to Americans and all Americans. We've talked about the products that it produces, and there's so much that we would do without, but for the ability of, of foresters to, you know, to manage forests well, grow trees, and then cut trees down and use them for timber or for, I mean, the, the list of products is just endless. When we say that it's, it's bad to cut a tree, any tree, we're also not thinking about people who own land. You know, many of us, like me, we own a home. I live in Athens, Georgia. I own a home, a little tiny piece of land in town. And my property taxes come due every year, and I pay them because this is the home I live in, and that's sort of my responsibility. Well, you know, the same thing happens for a forest landowner. And if, if she can't operate that land as a forest, what is it that, that we think she's going to do with that land? And you don't own land just for the sake of owning it. It's a very, very expensive proposition. 
There are all sorts of liabilities that come with owning land from some stranger walking on your land and doing something you know, terrible to, to it or themselves to, of course, the tax bill that comes due every year. So for me, managed forests are a, a really good use of, of our land uh, in the southeast because it does provide some habitat for species. It provides the products that we, we all need and love. And from my experience, forest landowners, whether they're industrial forest landowners or individual forest landowners, really care about the land. And, and when they do their forest activities, they work very, very, very hard, not just to meet, but exceed the best practices that are in place. Those best practices you know, are in place to protect water quality, to protect their neighbors, you know, so on and so forth. And from the forest landowners I know, they take that responsibility very, very seriously. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I believe that the Georgia State Forestry Commission can share with you the statistics on voluntary compliance of those best practices. And from what I recall, you're talking about numbers in the upper 90 percentile in terms of that compliance. So, so some forest landowners certainly get a bad rap because we've been trained as a society that when you cut a tree down, it's a bad thing. Well, it, it could be a bad thing. But it actually might be just part of a, a crop rotation, if you will, as well. And when you, when you think about that in the context of what it provides humans, what the landowners do to protect nature, particularly water quality, and the fact that it provides the landowner with the ability to maintain that land, to continue to own that land, it's a pretty good solution. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to see everything in in a well-managed forest, we need to have those wild places. But, you know, I'd sure rather see attractive land in a well-managed forest than as a parking lot. And if forestry is not an option for those landowners, uh, development becomes the more desired option. Or converting trees to any other crop is really the only other alternative. So I think that forestry is critical. You know, we don't think about the fact that forestry as a science has evolved tremendously over the last 100 years. Well, my grandfather was a forester, and, you know, when he was born in the 20s, the landscape that we called my home state of Georgia, or really the southeast, looked a whole lot different. We've got far more trees today than we had at that time. So let's not forget when we think about forestry, when we think about cutting trees, and, and I know that there are those out there that say to cut any tree is a bad thing, but let's not forget where we've come from. Forestry is, has been a driving force behind the recovery of the trees in our state. I think that we would not be doing this justice tonight, like delve a little bit further into, can you explain a little bit more about what you were saying, which was alluding to there being more trees than there used to be. What is that story? Well, I mean, if you look back at the turn of not the last century, but the one before, you know, we as a nation had been first really a, a resource, a natural resource center for the world and Georgia, particularly for the British Navy. And if you think about the, the, the state of our state, I mean, at one time, 
many, many of the trees in this state have been cut. There are very, very few places in the state of Georgia where one can go and see a tree that has never been cut or, or a stand of trees where a human hand has not touched it. So all those trees were cut down. Well, we're faced with a state full of trees today. Something must have happened. And those trees didn't just voluntarily come back, although trees can do that. By and large, millions upon millions of acres have been planted in trees. So we end up in a place where you know, we, we find a day, we don't realize the luxury that we have with the tree canopy that exists in the state of Georgia. And that tree canopy, you know, I'm told that two thirds of that tree canopy is made up of a managed forest. So two out of every three acres that are in tree cover are trees that were planted, are being managed, and will one day be cut to become, you name it, and then plant it again so that that cycle starts all over again. This cuts to the core of my very initial childhood misunderstanding of cutting a tree down is a bad thing, right? The birth of this country, the beginnings of America as a country, we're talking about the British and the world using trees as resources and those trees growing back over hundreds of years. The real threat, the actual threat, and all these small threats play into is not preserving and protecting the land for that tree to grow back on. One can't go through life and not face threats, and certainly there are threats to the forest industry. Those threats can come in the form of misinformation. The, the idea, we started this conversation with the idea that to cut a tree, any tree, is a bad thing. Well, we've talked about why that may not be true. So there's a threat there, the perception of the general public, the lack of knowledge or understanding about what modern day forestry is, is a threat. And it's a really hard threat to, to, to address because it does require a little bit of a conversation and it requires people to think and to be thoughtful about what they're hearing. And, and unfortunately, I find in today's world, anytime you're dealing with something that requires people to be thoughtful can be very difficult. There are natural threats that exist for landowners who choose forestry, and they come in the form of storms, infestation of insects, and then you add on top of that the risk of wildfire. In the Southeast, we use fire, we prescribe fire to help manage the threat of future fires, and we've done a really good job, but a, a fire could be catastrophic to a forest landowner. You know, those are just a handful of threats. Now let's talk about market-oriented threats. Slump in demand for a particular product. Competition from China or from Brazil in the form of rainforest being cut down. You know, there's certain types of woods we can't really compete with. So, so yeah, there are a lot of threats to this industry in my mind. You know, I know there are lots of folks that, that work to try to address or at least ameliorate those threats on behalf of the forest landowners. One of the first things you said was just misinformation, which seems like kind of a simple concept, but, you know, just back to the basic question that we started with, do you think there is a misconception? I think that generally there is a misconception when it comes to 
forestry and forest management practices. Does that mean there's a misconception when it comes to trees? I would suggest to you that not every tree is created equal. Now, some would argue a counterpoint to that, I'm sure. So, yeah, I think that misconception is, is a, an awfully big threat to, to forestry you know, as we know it. Why is that a threat for people not to understand that? Why is it a threat for people not to understand that? I, I think that you know, what we see, and, and, it, and it should be as, as such you know, in democracy, really as the will of the people goes, so goes the nation. And so when we look at our populations shifting, and they've been doing, and it's been happening for, for generations now, shifting from more rural places to more urban environments, and then subsequent generations being raised, there is a loss that occurs. There's a connection to the land that is lost. This idea that what we survive on comes from the earth, whether what we survive on is the food we eat, or the paper that we write on, or the toilet paper we use when we go to the restroom, or the lumber that we use to build homes. So yes, I think there's a, there, there is a, a risk or a threat that, that people may not understand that forestry is a sustainable practice. You grow a tree, you cut a tree, and you plant another tree or another two trees or another three trees. And that cycle repeats itself again and again and again. So, yeah, I think that there's a risk to forestry because of the idea, the misconception that to cut any tree is a bad thing. Well, I look at a lot of trees. We all look at a lot of trees that we when we drive down the interstate in the southeast or in the state of Oregon or in other places where growing trees is an important part of the economy. And, you know, we see trees every day that were put in the ground specifically to one day be cut to provide those products. I think that when you've got forest landowners that are really doing their, their utmost to comply with regulations. And yes, there are real regulations that landowners have to follow. Best practices, which aren't regulations, but are observed and, and sort of honored by everybody because they protect water resources and the like. Well, then, then you know, we have, to, we have to do a better job of helping people understand that cutting virgin growth trees from the Amazon forest is an entirely different proposition than cutting a 20-year-old slash pine that I planted with the express purpose of cutting down so that it could be made into a two-by-four so people could build their house. They're really different things. But again, it requires people being thoughtful and being willing to listen to understand that there's a stark difference. So this led us to ask what a mismanaged forest is. To me, a mismanaged forest is a forest that really doesn't have any adaptive management going on in it. And that includes forests that are public lands. Many in the general public think that if you, if you take a piece of land and you leave it alone, 
that nature will do what nature needs to do to maximize biodiversity, for example. Well, that's just not true. The landscape upon which we live has been modified by humans. It was being modified by humans before the Europeans showed up. The first Americans would burn the forest. So, so humans have been changing the landscape for a very, very, very long time. And in some places, so changed the landscape that in order to maximize its biodiversity, and what I mean by that is the most plants and animals, the most diversity of plants and animals, unique species that one can get on that piece of land requires human intervention. Adaptive management is the phrase that we use. So, so a poorly managed forest, first and foremost in my mind, tends to be a forest that gets no management whatsoever. And we've seen it. You see spindly, thin trees growing with an exceedingly high and really, really dense underbrush or small trees and shrubs You know that may grow up to 10 or 15 feet. Essentially, not a deer, certainly not a human, could walk through that forest. That's not good for nature. What is going to happen to our earth, and particularly land, if we don't protect this industry? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. When the collective we look at land, there are really only a handful of ownership types, if you will. The state, local, or federal government owns land. And in the state of Georgia, you know, when you add all the public entities together, it's a pretty small fraction. I mean, 5%, maybe, 6%, maybe. The other type of landowner, as a private landowner. And, you know, private landowners run the gambit of husband and wife to large corporations. They're all considered private landowners. And so when we look at activities on land, reg almost regardless of whether you are a small private landowner or a corporation, that, that land is expected to be productive. And it's expected to be productive, not just by the landowner, but it's expected to be productive by the government too, because they expect productivity in the form of property taxes being paid. That happens at the county level generally. And those property, those ad valorem property taxes go on to fund the county government and the services that the citizens receive. If forestry is removed from the equation, just bear with me if you would, Forestry is no longer a valid economic opportunity for landowners in the Southeast or in the North Pacific Northwest, for that matter. What then happens to the land? Well, they can sell it, but they won't sell it to be forest or timberland because that's off the table, remember? So we sell the land. Now, the new landowner also has the same obligation that the previous landowner had, and that's to pay her or his property taxes. Well, there are some Americans out there who just happen to have enough money to own land and pay the property taxes and not have that land be productive in a way that it generates revenue so that they can pay their property taxes. But we all know that not that many Americans can afford to do that. And, and even those that can't afford to do it, 
likely aren't willing to do it. They probably didn't achieve the level of wealth that they did because they were you know, willing to just sort of spend money hand over fist without any kind of return. But nonetheless, let's forget all of that. So, so now you're let, you've got a new landowner, can't use forestry as a, a means to generate revenue to pay for the property taxes. What are they left with? What are they going to do? Well, I'd suggest to you that depending on where, uh, in, in this example, we use the state of Georgia, where in the state of Georgia they might be. They're great timberlands just right along the Georgia coast. My guess is those would be developed. We've continued to see development really flourish along the Georgia coast and not just around Savannah and not just around St. Simons Island, but all up and down the Georgia coast. If they are on the Darty Plain, so somewhere around uh, Albany, Georgia, well, they're probably going to cut those trees down and plant some sort of crop. So you've lost the trees. There's no more carbon being sequestered, the runoff that is created because you've denuded the land of trees becomes an issue. Or if you're, say, in the Piedmont of the state, very fertile, very fertile soil, but also where Atlanta, Macon, Augusta, most of the development in the state has occurred, I guess you'll sell that land for development or you'll develop it yourself. So if forestry is no longer an option for landowners in places where growing trees make sense, meaning you've got the climate, then these other things are the only thing that's left. When I'm sitting in my house in Athens, Georgia, and I I, I grow frustrated because I've driven down the interstate and I saw that some trees were cut down, it's very likely that I've not gone through that progression of thought. And the truth of the matter is, is that there's, there always will be people who want to call and complain about trees being cut down, no matter what we do. land preservation across the world, this becomes, I'm sure, a lot more challenging to explain. You want to use conserved rather than preserved. The word preserved means in an untouched state. There's very little that we do to preserve land in this country because most of what could be preserved has been preserved. So what what we do, what we generally do now is, is conservation. And that's a nitpicky point, but there, there are People who would cringe at hearing the word preserve, just be forewarned. No, that's helpful. We appreciate yeah. it. We have not done a lot of exploring some of the mismanagement of tree farms or rainforests. Uh-huh. You describe it. What's going on across the world that is not in line with what you would describe as sustainable or healthy forest? Some will call this elite, but right now we're experiencing a global pandemic. A global pandemic that started in an animal and then was spread to humans. And it doesn't surprise me that that happened because in nature today, we as humans are putting more and more and more and more pressure on the natural world just by our very existence. Certainly through our choices, through the way that we pollute. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that as goes the health of our planet, the natural world, 
so too will go the help of humanity. Our economy depends on natural resources. And trees are a big contributor overall to that economy. But when we don't engage in practices that are more sustainable, like the forest practices you see at Johnny Bembry's farm, for example, we run the risk of collapsing, it sounds grandiose, but collapsing the web of life that we depend on. Bird populations globally have plummeted. Just in the Western Hemisphere, 30% of the total bird population has declined since the late 70s. That's, we're talking about billions of birds gone, primarily because of habitat loss. There are innumerable examples. You know, look at the headlines of, of any newspaper that still covers the environment, and you'll see the calamity or the challenges that we face in the natural world. So, so, so when I say that cutting down trees in the rainforest is a very different thing than cutting down the trees that were planted on my 120-acre track that were intended to be cut, is a, is a very, very different thing. I'm sure there are more stark ways I can sort of articulate that. I mean, I know what you're trying to get me to say, but the, the problem here is that we can't save the world through our forestry practices. We can juxtaposition our forestry practices as being much better than, say, cutting down the Amazon rainforest, but American forestry ain't going to solve the world's environmental problems. This was really helpful, and thank you so much for your time and your help. Where is an important conversation. We appreciate it. Well, I wish you luck and have a lovely afternoon. Okay, you too. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I almost wish we had talked a little bit more about what the impact is of people being misinformed. I mean, the demand still seems to be there. It sounds to me like the biggest threat are these mismanaged forests that produce so much wood and then there's too much product, which drives down costs. It's an interesting issue. We started this journey in Georgia. What's going on in the Pacific Northwest and New England? Are we seeing the same things? Because it seems like Georgia's doing a pretty good job when it comes to sustainable forestry where they can. I mean, just talking to people saying, you know, people are going above and beyond. They're trying to do the right thing. Landowners are making good choices. Well, is that everywhere? Yep. I think uh, broadening our perspective is really necessary. Okay, thanks for doing this. We'll see, I'm gonna talk to Matt and I'll let you know if we like need anything additional. Okay, sounds good. More to come, thanks. All right, bye. Please Print This was developed by HL Strategy in partnership with Pitchwire. Today's episode was put together by producer Amy Adams, producer Christina Honkinen, and producer and editor Matt Honkinen.